You're listening to Counterculture on RCR. Yeah, Welcome back to Counterculture here with Marie on Reality Check Radio, returning by absolute popular demand. The wonderful Di Landy. Kia ora, Di. Kia ora, Marie. Thanks for having me back. Oh, honestly, Di, if I get one more piece of feedback that says to me, when are you going to get Di Landy back on the show? <laughs> here we are. Di, of course, is from Manawahini Korero, and we had a massive korero last time. We're going to, I know, have another big one again this time. What have you been up to the last few months, my friend? Well, Manawahine Kororo, first off, we did a consultation document for New Zealand first, and of course it was on gender identity. Well, I think it's quite obvious they've picked it up. I'm actually, they actually asked me if I would stand in my rohi for them so as a candidate, but unfortunately I, I don't have the capacity to do that. So, you know, as pleased as I was to be asked and honoured, I had to refuse. Mm. You know, but it was pretty cool to be asked anyway. So I've got this document in front of me. There's a lot of point. There's a lot of bullet points here. And until you've been in the trenches, I don't believe the average Joe lunchbox really understands how much this has infiltrated our communities and our societies. I mean, for example, mixed wards in hospital. Like I'm a frequent flyer to hospital because I have COPD and among other things. So, you know, most winters I'm in there and they're putting me in there with men. My nephew had a car accident. He's He was in tw- early 20s and he's in with all these old queer who have had blinking hip replacements and stuff. It's hardly dignifying. Yeah. No. You know, and women have the absolute right, morally and legally, for safety, dignity, and privacy. Well, we have that right. Well, this is just it, even most wards as well. I mean, most of them now are what, four to six bed in the shared rooms. I mean, you get no privacy even when you're in there with other women, let alone throw a man into the mix. And I mean, hospitals aren't dignified places. I mean, you're in those awful gowns, your bits are hanging out. I mean, you've only got a thin curtain to separate you during an examination. You can't burp, you can't fart, you can't do anything without your neighbour knowing what's going on. I mean, a little shred of decency surely couldn't go. I mean, wouldn't hurt, would it? Well, and, you know, this this government is very good at hiding things. We've already had a woman attacked in hospital. She is an amputee. And how many more have attacked? We've got men committing violent sexual crime being recorded as a woman's crime. Women don't rape. You need a penis to rape, and we don't have one by definition. And this is all these laws that are sneaking in, and then there's another one coming. And, um, you know, most of our human rights and dignity are actually covered you know, under human rights and the Bill of Rights. And everyone has the right to safety, dignity and privacy, but it seems that, well, us females don't. Hmm. And, and as, as long as we can, Manawahine Kōrero will fight this and, and we'll fight it and, you know, like the haka isn't whispered. Yes, yes. Well, where's the Ministry of Women on all of this? Oh, I mean- they've sold out. They've sold out. Um. I've just seen on Twitter today, Speak Up for Women have been blocked for asking what's a woman, you know, which is totally ridiculous. So they've, so they've been blocked by the Ministry of Women on Twitter yes. for asking what a woman is. Yes, um, from the head of a, uh, is it Marie Lerberg or something? I don't know. <coughs> but I do know they sold out long ago. Same as the Māori Women's Welfare League. 
they sold out long ago. They're hemorrhaging members. I don't know if they've done, done their tax return since 2019. Mm. Actually, that is really sad, isn't it? Because, I mean, I've got very fond memories of the Māori Women's Welfare yes. League, and they did such wonderful work for the community. And then you've got the um, young chap, did you see him, that's just been prosecuted or is in court at the moment for, um, was it $1.4 million uh, assigning invoices for Māori wardens uh, during COVID where there were no, that, I think that was around your way, wasn't it? Yes, I'm bound to have been in, you know, speaking of the Māori wardens, the latest call to use them instead of the police in Auckland is just abhorrent. I don't know if people have seen the average age of these wardens. Yeah, no, they're not spring chickens. You know, a lot of them are our kaumātua and kui. And personally, I don't want my kaumātua and kui patrolling the streets in the Auckland where they keep shooting no. each other. I, I think that's totally unacceptable. No. To, to even request that. But, you know, I thought, oh, yes, they pulled this one out with the guy with his false invoices. He'll be the full guy because there has to be an inquiry about this COVID scam and the lockdown and everything. I think New Zealand really suffered from it and people's mental health is really suffering. So tell me about this document. So you've pulled this document together. There's all these different points on there, and I am going to pl pl pull out some points because there's some real there's some real crackers in here. Uh, remove the provision in the Education and Training Amendment that requires state boards to include rainbow positions on the school boards. So is that like boards of trustees? Yes, so yes. They, um, my sister Philippa actually submitted on that bill and the Sports and Integrity Bill. They were held on the same day, and it's putting a rainbow person on each school board. Now, that's kind of ridiculous to me because if we're going to do it about fairness and numbers and stats and census and down all those paths, then that's stacking the board. Well, it is stacking the board because, I mean, you'd be looking at about what – 10% if you've only got, how, how big is a board? Well, it depends on the school size, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and, if you've only the got six on a board that. and you have yeah. the principal plus you have generally a um, teacher representative, so that wipes two of them out, and then you yeah. throw on the, yeah, it does take the board. I mean, if they yeah. happen to be a member of the rainbow community and they get elected like anybody else, fair cop. But they're yeah, saying that they have to, as an assigned member of the board, oh, joy, uh, stop teaching that children uh, can be born in the wrong body. Puberty is an illness and op optional. That hormone medications play a role in healthy development. Stop transitioning. It isn't harmless fun. It's damaging to children's intellectual and social development on the ground. It is gender closets and secrets from parents what yes. does that mean yeah at school your child can go to school say your boy timmy goes to school yeah there is dress up rooms and closets oh. that supply the opposite sex clothing and accessories so timmy can go to school as timmy be tina all day and then come home and be back to Timmy and the parents not told right i'm here i was thinking metaphorical closet but no you're actually talking like yes Social transitioning change rooms. Yes. Oh, for goodness sakes. Yes, stop all this. Um, you know, the rest of the world is turning, albeit slowly. So, and that's why it's getting really mad. But there's just been a document printed and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine countries have signed it. And 21 specialist doctors have signed it to say, put a halt on this gender affirming care. 
Um, it's well documented that it's experimental. There is no long-term studies about the efficacy, how good it is. The studies that have been out have been debunked. It's been proven time and again that suicide is a higher risk post-surgery than before surgery. Um, and like the UK, Sweden, Finland have all said no. 19 states in America have said no, mm. no more to this doing it to youth because these are irreversible. Yes. Um, so has you, New Zealand first taken these points up as part of policy? I believe so. Um, I've listened to a few videos from Shane Jones, Winston Peters, when he's done a few videos about the um, REC in schools and the indoctrination. And, and they've come out quite strong against it as well. I mean, you know, politicians come out strong at this time. Um, but, you know, when he'll get my two ticks. He's certainly making a play for things. That's for sure. One of the things I found, I've just been going, like going through this. And yes. the uh, last time we spoke, the self-ID bill hadn't yet passed. Yes. And that is now tracked through. I mean, do you know whether or not there has been uh, much chopping and changing or utilisation of the bill since it's passed? I don't know any numbers, but I was reading um, this, you know, it's on social media that it's only $10. But, you know, now, now we're getting, like, the thing with birth certificates, for me, I've always thought and believed a birth certificate was to record a live birth. That's their purpose and for census and population. Unless, of course, you're my mum in her era where she wasn't counted because she is mouldy and they're non-people. She never had a birth certificate, which I presume to be the same for heaps of my elders. You know, to me, it's a point. It records a point in history that this person was born alive. And because mm. there's all that straw man argument about the puti that comes with it as well. But the birth certificate was always to record a live birth. But now we can come in and chop and change them and, and say, tell lies on them. They're nothing but vanity papers. And I have a real problem that the market to state of change has been removed. So, for example, Shane Winter, he can change his birth certificate and the marker that says there's been a change has been removed. He's got a whole new persona. If you want this information, it's locked up like Fort Knox. So you can't just request it. I think you have to be an official to request it. So the way my mind works, that if Shane Jones is now Sally Jones, then it's all his crimes gone. Oh, you mean Winter, Shane Winter? Sorry, yes, Shane Winter, uh, all his crimes gone. Well, they don't exist on his new name. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just look at this and think grifters and shysters and fraudsters could have an and, and field day with this. And, and it's all it's all part of the surrogacy and, you know, Manawahine Kōrero stand very firm that selling humans already has a name and it's called trafficking. It isn't surrogacy, it is trafficking. You know, we've, there are wards of unwanted surrogate babies around Europe because people have rejected them. You know, babies are not accessories, mm. which they seem to be. I, yeah, and we stand firmly against surrogacy. Now, we're not talking whangai here, which is completely different. Hmm. And and so once again, you know, the treaty gets bought in and, oh, we're doing it because of the treaty. What a load of codwallop. 
Stuff well, under the treaty. Yeah. Well, I mean, you actually, I see this, I note this you've got down here, stop using titiriti to justify rainbow and critical race inclusion policies. I mean, it's that weaponization of the treaty, isn't it? It is, and, and it's very revisionist, like, you know, Kitty Kitty, who's put this latest bill in, and there's things I don't even understand in it. You might be able to help me. What is intersectional discrimination experienced by trans, non-binary and intersex? What does that even mean? <laughs> that basically well, means anyone that doesn't agree with them. You know, just... But there's nothing in the treaty about this. On Kitty Kitty's thesis, page 82, she even states herself there is no evidence. And mm. I'm sitting here in 2023 and I still haven't heard a song about them. I still haven't heard the legend of the great trans warrior. There was no evidence. And what this bill is doing is laying a history that didn't exist. For the listeners, outline what that bill is in case they've missed it. Oh, look, it's got a huge, huge bloody name, but it's an amendment to the Human Rights Act to insert the LGBTQIWTAF bill. And it got drawn out of the biscuit tin, but I thought she was see you, see you next Tuesday. I thought she was gone. Same. Same. She's leaving in October. She's an independent. So, um, you know, changed my mind, but, you know, I don't believe for a minute it got drawn out that it was the only, you know, the only way it got drawn out, it was the only one in there. Hmm. As, as, you know, I, I just lack little faith, little faith. Um, Is this likely um, to get through and get passed before they stop sitting in three weeks or a couple of weeks, um, whenever it is? Don't know. Don't believe so because it hasn't even got to select committee yet. They might try and rush it through under urgency, which is how they do things. But how can you insert the LGBTQIWTAF? Why this? Why not the deaf? Why not the disabled? How can you make this group of people a, a, a sacred caste of people and then use the treaty to do it? and say that this is how it was. And, you know, by the time my mook was 10, what Kitty Kitty's saying will be taken as sooth. So is she trying to imply that this is a wider form of tikanga and all of these things need to be included under yes. what is... No. This bull would rectify that by adding two new grounds to the list of prohibited grounds of discrimination. She's also inserted intersex which is a very big Trojan horse. It has been publicly said time and time again by the intersex community, we have nothing to do with the T. Mm. There are less than 60 intersex conditions in the whole wide world. It doesn't matter because each intersex individual is either male or female. Yeah. So Castor Samaya is male. He's fathered children. He's he's a um, man running in the women's races. He's a man, he's father children. And, and when I'm talking male and female, I'm talking sperm and over. Mm. Although Eli Rubber Chicken purports to do both because he's intersex and trans and non-binary, there isn't an individual that has both. Is this the soup thrower? Yes. Oh, sorry, I just call him Eli Rubber Chicken. <laughs> Eli Rubber Chicken. So, um, well, sorry, actually, sorry. No, that's all right because um, Eli's due in court soon. Yes, on the 20th of September. And Thursday is when the granny basher appears for a case review hearing. Mm. Oh, because there was, a, there was a, what was it, a clerical error? Yes, yes, a clerical yes, error, mm. which I've translated. This is how little faith I've got. I've translated clerical error to mean, eek, there's too much public pressure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's how I've translated it. 
Yes, so Kelly J's looking at coming back. I saw that she has bought tickets. Yes. Yeah. So are you guys going to, you're going to make a little um, hikoi up to Auckland? And Yes, it's at the Auckland District Court on the 20th of September. And to the best of my knowledge, it's Lesbian Resistance, Terry Lipinovic and Tania Sturt organising it. Excellent. Yeah. I know the police have already sort of recommended she not come, which of course is red rag to a bull to her. The first thing she did when she got that was buy the tickets. So. Absolutely. I've been mean, her visas for two years. And and why shouldn't KJK come? Mm. Mm. There's no, you know, she's coming like as KJK. She may very well be coming to give evidence as well, a victim. But I'm sorry, she, look, victims' rights is something. It doesn't matter what you think of her politics or her stance or her ideology or anything like that. She has been a victim of a crime. Yes. She's well within her right to face the accused in court. It's as simple as that. And if they don't want her here because they don't agree with her, well, I just feel like saying, I saw Ellie Moore wrote a piece um, and she was absolutely teeth gnashing and hand wringing over it. And it's really a case of if you do not agree with her, do not engage with the content. It's quite Move simple. along. You know, yes. I, that's what I don't understand. Ignore it like you do poverty and violence and rape and child trafficking. Walk past it like you do all those things. That's what I reckon. Mm. You know, um, she has every right to come. She was assaulted in this land, and New Zealand should be hanging its head in shame. I'm hoping that rubber chickens facing two charges because Tania Sturt got souped as well. She's oh. the um, white-haired woman with Posey at the time. Yes. So yes. I'm, I'm hoping he's got two charges on him, but I'm, yeah. I'm not sure. Oh, well, we'll have to certainly watch the space when that case comes up. That's for certain. Politics. It's been an interesting old time in politics. It sure has, and I just, mm. New Zealand First have really made it exciting, <laughs> otherwise it was quite boring, just the old same old rehash of everything, you know, a national today going, oh, we're going to ban cell phones. Really? Really, mate? Is that all you could come up with? I have to, I, I, heard, look, I have to admit I heard that. And, you know, whilst I don't think it's particularly helpful for kids to be on their phones whilst they're at school, surely that's up to the individual school to decide, not the government. Yes, and I'm quite sure that teachers aren't in their classroom letting kids spend all lesson on their phones. I certainly know at the, the school that my sons are at, the boys can have phones at school, but they need to stay in their bags while they're at school. So they are literally yeah. there. So if they've got to make arrangements with parents and pick up some of that kind of yes. thing, you know, my boys will often come home and say, oh, so-and-so got his phone taken off him today because he was doing, using it when he shouldn't be using it. I love walking around there when I've gone to go and do stuff and the boys are doing things like playing handball and touch, a shocker, stuff like that. Shocker, and not on their shocker. Yeah, hey, so, but shocker. they didn't. Yeah, but they didn't need a government edict to tell them to do that. It's For me, that is just an authoritarian, heavy-handed policy that's been designed for those who have been clutching and hand-wringing, thinking, yes, this yes. will fix education. Well, yes. take all the yes. gender woo-woo out of education. Yeah, that could be a start. Out and put the science and biology and all that back in. And how about a bit of maths and English? You know, New Zealand has an appalling illiteracy rate. Mm. I'm stunned because, you know, I'm from the generation where education was your key to get out of here and to work through the stratas. I come from, and my parents worked all the hours God sent them to privately educate us. And there's seven of us. 
So, you know, that's my backdrop. And so I've had to have a big, fat tuggy for education. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's really terrible. I want all these academics, get out. Just get out. Just keep it to yourselves. We shouldn't have all this academic bloody frou-frou as policy like Kitty Kitty's bill was wanting to legislate mannerisms, mannerisms for the LGBTAFs, you know? What mannerisms? How can you legislate the mannerism? What, so is she trying to legislate a limp wrist or something? Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. I thought, what, a mince and a limp wrist? This is, this is the words. Gender identity or expression, which means the self-identified gender, name, pronoun, appearance, mannerisms, or other gender-related characteristics of a person with or without regard to the person's assigned sex at birth. We must be really dumb if we have to legislate that gender and sex are different. Why do we need to make a law? All I see is this is a Trojan horse to backfoot the hate speech laws on. Because if Mm. this goes through, misgendering will be a crime. Dead naming will be a crime. So, you know, if you're calling Eli rubber chicken, he will become a crime because his preferred pronouns, her and she. Oh, gosh, um, I'd be in trouble. I spend all my time calling Chanel he. Yes. yes. See, this, this will become a crime. <laughs> and and then, so dead naming, so calling Shane Winter Shane, that'll be a crime. Will Nanny on the Marae get hauled away and arrested because she won't let the men go in while the muko are in there? Because it'll be a crime. You know, I don't think people have thought this through enough. It's a very slippery slope. Mm. I just, and, and to put intersex in there, and like what she said about intersex was quite her- hilarious, really. Like, you know, it's a shame it's not a comedy. Colonization resulted in suppression, criminalization, and pathologizing of those people and resulted in takatapui often not being accepted today. So it's gone from being widely accepted where it didn't exist, to being like how it is today. The manner of explicit human rights protections will help redress the historical trauma this has caused. I love this historical trauma. What is this historical trauma? Who's suffering from it? And who's paying for the therapy for all those people who have been traumatised by what? And and that, the intersex, we looked at them as sent to us as a gift. Like, how can you put all 2023's language and ideas and ideals into the 1800s and go, nope, nope, that's how it was. Yep, yep, no, they were terrible. They were terrible. You know, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm going to anyway. <laughs> you know, don't hold back now, darling. <laughs> because <laughs> I think of the, um, on, you know, the TRAs today mm. and how awful they are. And then I think about our um, fantastic warriors we had back in the day. And there's no way Tarotaha would take one of them on a war raiding party, flapping around with the mannerisms. No way. And the only reason if he did, there are two reasons that they would have been taken. And the first reason would be for the bloodlust and the men to do their sex thing with. Right, because of mm-hmm. all that height and oh man, boom. Right, and the second reason would be for Kai Tangata. I don't think there'd be any other reason to take these high needs individuals on a warring party. I can't see it myself. No, hey. Well, as you and, said, where are the songs? Where are the legends? I mean, I don't remember any songs or any legends, as you said, about the great trans warrior. I mean, that hasn't turned up yet, has it? 
no, there's no carving, no more tete, no tukutuku panels. There's absolutely nothing. And then trying to insert it as if it was so and using the treaty. Now, this using the treaty really irks me because people are in a position where, you know, this government has just race-baited so much that people think we as Māori are really privileged. Mm. Yet the Māori I know aren't. Mm. But also, too, as you and I, I think, touched on it last time that we talked, right? There are definitely, there is an elite, a self-appointed elite within Māori Dim right now who have gotten themselves into positions and power of governance. Dr. Elizabeth Kirikiri, not for much longer, but, you know, she is a, a classic yes. example of the genre. And they are not representative of those quiet, achieving, hardworking Māori, either at home, within the whānau, at the rohi, on the marae, in all of those places who don't need to be sought and have accolades applied on them. They just want to do the mahi. They don't want to be bothered with any of this. But unfortunately, you have the likes of them who have gone and taken this ideology, which essentially is cultural Marxism at its core, yes. it's been run through via a few dead French philosophers and the American academic system and has come out into this critical social justice behemoth that we have today. They've looked at that and thought, oh, we can use that. They've taken it, applied a, a New Zealand bent on it, and then they're using it really, I think, to just establish uh, their own power and their own status and damn the torpedoes for anyone else in Māoridom. Yes, and uh, I think uh, my sister Philippa said it best when she goes, this is attacking the very bedrock of our civilization." And I thought, oh, yes, this, you're right. This is what this is doing. You know, Māoridom aside, this whole gender identity is attacking the bedrock. And these philosophers, you know, and, and now we're celebrating John Money, the known Peter West. And him and Kinsey, I mean, what? You know, it's just what? No, 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 no. Their research was absolutely abhorrent. I, I don't know if you've read it, Murray, but these men were given live children mm. to pedophiles, and then they have to had to self-record the child's reactions to being raped. And of course, they all got recorded as orgasms. This is still what's running all the sexual health education stuff throughout the states and everywhere. You know, the hey, Hakaputanga said no foreign interests. And now this is as foreign as we can get from who we are as people. And it's just in our face. And, you know, they just listen to WPATH, which is the World Health Transgender Health, yada, yada. And we have PATHA here. And we've got Jamie Veal, who's on both. He's a pommy man who thinks he's a woman. Is he and the eunuch? Yes, yes, they're, they're the ones pushing the eunuch identity. And, and I'm really angry about that. When I think of our strapping young Māori men, you're turning them into eunuchs for your own self-gain. How dare you? How dare you? Mm. This isn't real. This isn't true. It's all experimental. And you're pushing it through. We've got, you know, half a dozen countries that said, oh, 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 hold up, hold up. We've got lawsuits happening in the States, lots Mm. of lawsuits happening. There's some coming through the UK as well. You know, it's just so typical. Women are saying, hold hold on, and they're going, shut up. The thing I really find sad about this too is that they've gone and used, I I spoke to Professor Sheila Jeffries last week, and they've gone and, 
I said to her, we were talking about how a lot of the stuff has gone, they've gone and taken all the hard work that particularly gay and lesbians have made just for equal human rights and dignity. Mm-hmm. That then gets achieved and then all of it now has been weaponized and they have turned it all against them. And I said to her, you know, they, especially lesbians, are so not down with this and they're being suppressed in silence. Again, not just women, but you know, lesbian yeah. women. You know, I mean, I just see, a, you know, when I first started um, learning about this, oh, I don't know, six years ago or something, I was thinking, oh, that's just men trying to get into lesbians all over again since forever. But, you know, we're being told that girls have a penis and boys have babies. Well, that's wrong. You know, To me, you are stealing children's identity before they've grown into it. And that's without medication or telling them they're born in the wrong body. You're taking their identities off them. Mm. And, and then all this birth certificate. How do people find their genealogy? They're looking for their father, but dad's now a woman. Medically, I think we all have the human right to know our biological DNA, our papa. You know, I believe that is a human right to know this. I could be wrong here, but I believe women carry the haemophilia gene. We don't get it for obvious reasons, but we carry it. How are you going to find out that when the birth certificates are changed? You know, there's a lot of repercussions from this and there's nothing but vanity papers. And and to say that Māori celebrated this and we took it as a gift because they came to teach us. What a load of rot. But if, if we don't put a halt to this, and because it works in really well to my last interview about the state changing the language, by the time my moko, who's five, by the time she's 10, everything Kitty Kitty's saying will be taken as sooth mm. and the reality will be lost. She's trying to change tikanga. Tikanga never changes. Kawa changes. You're changing our tikanga and it never changes. Tikanga is firm, it's set. It is the kawa that changes around where we go. You know, for 103 iwis, you can't tell me she's consulted with three, let alone 103. Talking to each other in parliament isn't consulting, eh? Because I'm sure that's what they do. She'll probably, you know, look over at Kitty when she's there. Hey, Kitty, what do you reckon? And she'll go, yeah. It's hardly a consultation. Hmm. And these elite Maldives, and this is why I'm against co-governance as well for that very reason. You know, since when do these elites get the right to not have public consultation? That they just sign it off. That's pitting hapu and iwi and hapu and whanau against each other. Just on say-sos and personalities. It's ridiculous. Hmm. And it's also who gets to set the priorities as well, because surely, I mean, there's been these shootings recently, not just up the road from you, and a lot of them are gang related and all of the stuff going on. Surely there are bigger fish to fry within Māori communities right now than Elizabeth Kitty worrying about entrenching language mannerisms and the like into those sorts of <laughs> bills. I mean, I've come off the Māori role because I'm just tired of their pontificating and grandstanding. New Zealand Māori youth are killing themselves at a higher rate than our entire population. We've got 50% of them leaving school being illiterate, and they want to dance around and pontificate over some bullshit. I'm, I'm not owned to it. So I took myself off the Māori role as a protest. You know, there's far more reaching urgent needs for Māori than this. So from your perspective, what are some of the things? What, like, if Di Landy were in politics... Dialandy, we're in politics, and the, and the political party of common sense, 
what would be your three key factors for Māori right now? Right now it would be lose the gender ID because mm-hmm. it's sterilising our whakapapa. It's tearing it asunder. Get rid of this these elite co- co-governance. I mean, Tamahiri hasn't even paid his loan back. There'd be none of this stuff happening. You see, for me, having your hand in the till, you lose all credibility. Well, which till? I think there's more than one, isn't there? That's right. You know, and I just get pictures of a whole lot of piggies at the trough. But um, so so there'd be none of this bloody backhanding nepotism rubbish that's been happening. I thought we had a party hopping law against that, but all oh, doesn't appear to be. So yeah, we'd get rid of gender ID, co co governance would go as well. And then, I mean, it's such a big ask, Murray. You know, we've got the housing issue. We've got the poverty issue. You you know yourself when you go visit your people out the country, they are, it's grinding poverty because they can't do anything on their land. And then if we get those SNA in, SNA, they'll never be able to build on their land. Actually, that's a really good point. So is Māori land subject to SNAs as well? I believe so. I believe so, from what I've been reading. I mean, I could be wrong, but from what I've been reading, and then as as you know, you can't get a mortgage on Māori land because of the um, multiple owners and what have you. Um, you can't get loans on it. So, yeah, I, as far as I know, SNA is across everywhere. All this stuff's come in the marae. I said it last time. I'll say it again. Get the government out of our marae. Mm. And then, of Get course, you throw it, and you and you throw the extra complexities that we have on the east coast, of course, with yes. um, a number of areas now falling under these uh, categories in terms of rebuilds and compulsory purchasing. Well, that that is a conundrum in itself, you know. I mean, oh, yeah. for a lot of these iwi and um, hapu, they've. You know, it's taken a long time to either hold on to that land, get that land back, settle that land, and now all of a sudden they're saying, "Oh no, you can't live there and you can't build there because you're not going to be." covered because there could be a cyclone or we're not going to support you if you choose to stay you know you're just hamstrung before you've even started i don't agree with co-governance and the reason i don't agree with it is because it's the elites again getting away without public consultation so mm-hmm. they you know and setting the hapu and iwi and whanau against each other just on someone say so but it would be like being at home on the marae and having an argument and and then instead of sorting it out with the iwi, you go and ring the police. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, two different systems, choose which one. But I do believe Māori land is part of the SNAs and, and you know, they have enough trouble building on it. Um, all the crime, this hotel living, and it's just generation after generation. Mm. I, I don't know what the answer is, but I think they could have built a few more houses myself. One of the things I do wonder about too is the level of uh, government support and not enough in terms of supporting Māori either to be within those wider extended family groups to stand on their own two feet and live self-sufficiently. And as you said, education is the ticket out. Actually take that education and actually do something with it and be able to have these careers. But then the flip side of that is those that have had all of those privileges and done with that are some of the ones that are currently sitting in the beehive, believing that, oh, yeah, we're out here now, but we're better than everybody else and do as I say and not as I do. Yeah, yes, and pulled the ladder up after them. Yeah. yeah. You know, just, whoa, 
Yeah, it's um, it's really sad. I'm I'm really saddened by all this race baiting because because I love being a Maori. You know, I was up at Parihaka just the other week, and you know, visiting Fano, and I just love it. And then you know, you get on social media, and oh gosh, it's so north and south. You know, ah, oh, they're getting fifty bucks to go to the doctors. Shouldn't they go to the doctors anyway? I'm thinking, well, they probably would, but um, the car's not registered, the car's not warranted, and they've got no petrol. What do you suggest? Mm. Um, well, this is so. This is one of the things. So I covered the the Māori Health Authority report, right? Yeah. And one of the things that frustrated me with it was, it's been a year, and it was the lack of outcomes, and the fact that even when they identified areas like exactly what you're talking about, those social issues in regards mm. to access. Because a good chunk of Māori live in rural communities. So yes. access is always going to be an issue. I mean, my aunt is a district nurse, and she has been a nurse up on the East Coast for forever. She's in her 80s. She still gets dusted off to go and help with clinics sometimes because they can't get staff. Or the phone call will go, and because, of course, they'll breeze in up from town, they'll come in, they'll try and do a clinic at the, the little district hospital yeah. there, and then, of course, people are not turning up. And they're like, well, of course, they're in the paradigm of, oh, here's an appointment, here's the date, they'll just turn up. It's like, well, yes, but they don't actually even understand that often to get to that appointment at that little regional base, it could still be another 90-minute to two-hour trip yes. on a what is a glorified dirt track. Yes. All of those elements are not actually understood by those in town. And and then even in town, it's, it's the same example as the mum of four kids, they've all got bung ears, and instead of putting all their appointments out, the air department on one day, they're every day, you know, instead of all together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know. And that's where the practice. disappointing yeah. thing for me was with that authority, right? There are a lot of really incredible, I had quite a rant about this, there are some really incredible people who are actually working with Māori Health doing some great jobs. I hooked up and dropped some stuff off during the flood relief with um, the haora, Turanga haora up in Gisborne. And they're doing great work, you know, great yes. work around diabetes and diet mm -hmm. and getting all this really good stuff. And this authority had the ability to potentially apply a much better, more cohesive framework to get outcomes, and it's achieved nothing yeah. in a year, nothing. So all that's gone and happened the road to hell is paved with lots of good intentions, and Māori have had the has been screwed the pooch yet again. Again, you know, I I see that you know, no matter what name you give it, you're just getting fat off the backs of my people. You can call it research, you can call it a health authority, but it's one and the same. We know the outcomes, we know the problems. They haven't changed. They're still the same. I mean, they might be a bit more expensive, but we know this stuff. Mm. You know, it's it's not a secret. And like I say, I just I just view it as oh yeah, just getting fat off the backs of people. And you know, you've got your PhD through doing that. Good on you. But how did you help the iwi? And because I don't think your average Kiwi understands the grinding poverty that these rural Maori are living under because they're on their sovereign land. I mean, all all good and well that they're on their land and power to them. And I'm because I know a few Maori that live sovereign without any government help, and it's not an easy walk to be completely sovereign. 
no benefits, anything like that, just all the work and they're on their lap, you know. That isn't easy to do. The kids aren't registered anywhere. You know, they don't have birth certificates. They've only got marae records. <laughs> and so it's been really nice to see children accepted to mainstream school on the marae records. So mm. that's that's a turn up, but, you know, and so it should be so, you know, because now the birth certificates are meaningless. There's no point registering your baby. You can lie. You can say you had a bloody boy when you had a girl. It's just what? It's just madness. So all this money, it's just what is it? Good money after bad. Just throwing buckets of money we don't have at middle management. <laughs> mm. You know, like it's middle management or they would have had outcomes. You know, you're all sitting around in your meetings, were you? All got your flash cars, cruising around, staying in a nice hotel, watching the kids in their bare feet. Yeah, well, one of the things I talked to Marty about, who I do the media piece with, is I said to him, we've gotten to a point now where I think a lot of people have forgotten, like when we, when I was a kid, if something needed to happen in the small rural school that I was in, and there was like 60 at the school, so a small yes. school, uh, it was about 60, 70% Māori, if you needed something, the community got together, they had a working bee and you made it happen. You didn't sit around and wait for the ministry to provide it because you could have no. been waiting there for forever. And I think that's where we're getting to. And actually, this is something that Māori do better than anyone else. Oh, my God, yeah. And I mean, I, mean, I they absolutely. can fundraise and organise and yes. pull together and do all of those things. And I think those are skills that they've gotten to a point where it's almost, in a way, not necessarily going completely sovereign, but certainly get, getting to a point where it's kind of like, you know what? No, we're going to sort this out ourselves. Just leave yes. us to it. Thanks, but no thanks. You know, yes. you can keep your gender woo-woo over there. We're going to do this yeah. for the kids. And, I mean, yeah. Māori is seriously practical people. If you read there, you know, if you know anything about being Māori, it is practicalities. We're not stupid. It's almost like we're a complex hierarchical structure or something. You know, just, whoa. But I, I remember I was at um, Te Whanua Apanui one Christmas mm. and the nanny was doing the washing. I was going, oh, man, let me, let me, I'll do it for you and pushed her out of the way. And so, you know, my 30, 40-year-old was in the sink and, of course, the ass fell out of the sink. <laughs> of course it did. Within an hour, there was a sink on a trailer coming down that driveway because that's the community. Yeah. You know, and those communities, even during COVID, looked after themselves. You know, I oh, think, because um, yeah, I mean, I'm assuming yes. you were up, what, around Takaha, somewhere around there? That's exactly where I was when this yeah. happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> yeah, those communities are incredible and they and they just get on with it. There is something that for all of us that we need to learn from that is, is the getting on with it. And a lot of the freedom is, I think, have done that to an extent, but I think we need to do it even more and actually take a lot more people on that journey with us and just sort of say, you know what, actually saying no from time to time isn't actually a bad thing. It's a complete sentence. When we were organising Posey's first visit, and because it was just so thorough and I you know, very easily said and casually, not easily, casually said, oh, because it's just like on the marae. And that was my mind. All the nannies were running through my head and and what have you, because I used to be a cook on the marae. So, you know, you don't just cook. No. <laughs> there's a million there's a million things to that as well. But And, and so it was run like the marae and you just listen to auntie. Mm. <laughs> And, and that's how we do it. And everyone who knows anything about being Māori knows, listen to auntie. Yeah. <laughs> yes, or Nan. And, and that's another bugbear with me with Kitty Kitty because she says, you know, that our elders need re-educating. Hush your mouth. 
Just hush your mouth. How dare you? Māori have never, ever gone to institutions for their mātauranga. We have learned everything we know at the feet of our elders. And I'm really offended that she believes they need re-educating. Mm. You know, it really offends me when, you know, our komatu and kui and, you know, like if they say jump, you ask them how high. Yeah, and and then now they need re-educating on this new woo-woo. And because everyone's just head down and butt up trying to put bread on their table, you know, a lot of things are passing people by. But where was this gender woo-woo 10 years ago? Oh, no height nor hair. I mean, the UK's had a 4,400% increase in 10 years of young girls. This is a social contagion and people need to wake up. It's not like being a goth um, you know, we might as well start calling anorexics fatty because that's how much therapies and what they're doing. Oh, to do this too mouldy, I'm just, oh, no. Just, oh, no. You know, like I was thinking about Nanny, you had her moko. And because, you know, our old people kind of do what they're told mostly if, you know, they've been brought up in that way and know the parkia, no best girl, get to school and all this stuff. And so, you know, what about Kui who's got her moko? because both the parents are in jail, and then they come out and their kids are being bloody transed. What what happens to Kui then? What what happens to that family? Where does she take this this grief and sorrow and pain for doing Mm. so wrong by her moko? If if, and when she wakes up that she's rendered her whakapapa sterile. You know, I don't know where Nanny's going to take that, Mm. apart from to her grave. You know, it's really serious stuff, eh, Murray? I know I'm, you know, a bit blasé and what have you, but I, I think these things and think, oh, good yard, that poor queen, because I can see it happening. Like, I'm, I personally would like to be able to go and do the gang pads and speak to them about this because it's their kids that are in state care. Let's look at that scenario with the gangs, because, I mean, that whole thing in Apotiki happened since we spoke last. Yes, there are now more gang members than there are police in this country. The gang tensions haven't gone anywhere, and if anything, they've amplified and they've gotten yes. worse. I live in an area of a country that if you are of a certain colour or you're going to a certain part of town, you need to be very mindful of the colours that you're wearing. Yes. Where do you go with that? I mean, what, what is the attraction for young Māori within those organisations? Belonging, power. Excitement, drama, drugs, alcohol. Um, so how do you I, wrestle that back? Yeah, and, you know, I always come back to where there is no hope, there is no fear. The gangs are just, whoa, completely out of control. They're all powerful. And a lot of it is thanks to the 501s, you know, from what I've been told, those guys come from Aussie and there's a selection of patches waiting for them. So youth, you know, they've dropped out of school because they weren't getting attention. Youth, you know, mum and dad both working. They're left to look after the younger siblings. If you, like, look at Porirua schools, you know, they're all red. I mean, it's everywhere. And for a kid who's left to their own devices, whose parents are out working or boozing, but they're not always boozing, you know, um, I remember doing the stats for why Kmart got put in Porirua, and that was because, like, 80% of Porirua was employed. You know, that's yeah. why it got put there. And, yeah. you know, so what the media portray and, and what the government tell us is entirely different to what's actually real. But, you know, I was born and bred Porirua, and you look at it, and, you know, when you've got nothing, 
it does seem like it's something to hang on to. And then you get the, um, you know, addictions, of course, running through, but all the excitement, the drama, the better you are, the better reputation you have, and you're cooler and you're neater. And this is, the, you know, it's like with the homeless. You take away their homelessness, what have they got? What's their identity? And I guess, too, the disillusion of whānau as well particularly in those areas. And you've got some that have very, very tight whānau networks, but then, as you said, where's the excitement? You know, if the, if all they know is the coast or uh, their small sort of area, they, I mean, it, that, that's curiosity, isn't it? Natural curiosity. Yes. They're wanting to do something more. And instead of channeling that curiosity into education, they channel it to, to what's right there on their back doorstep. And also, like, education costs. I know I had my boy in a private boarding school, what, 15 years ago or something, maybe even 20, and it was 15 grand then. Good education costs. I mean, the state education, well, now the REC is there and they don't want to teach biology and physics and science. Well, you know, homeschool now, I say, you know, you might as well just go to school to eat your lunch. I never thought all those sayings would become true, but look at it now. Yeah. And 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 so, you know, you can pay for the education and be locked in that box. That isn't an exciting box. Or you can go in the one that's right out your back door because you know half the participants anyway because they're your cousins. You're going to get looked after because your cousins are in there or your bros or mm. it's drugs, excitement, drama, acceptance, belonging, whirling around. And goes, what, what have we got for youth these days? You know, I think it's a really, and I, I know every generation says that, oh, we had it harder or you had it harder or oh, it's so different, it's so changed. I think navigating adolescence now would be one of the most trickiest, hardest tasks to come out unscathed. Oh, fully agree. I mean, I've got two teenage sons, oh, both yes. in high school. How do you parent sons, and you're a mother of sons, how do your parents' sons to actually let them know that their masculinity is okay? Yes. It's just got turned on its head, hasn't it? Mm, it you is. know, it's okay to be a, a boy. It's okay to be a man. Be a good man. Boys don't hit girls. Men don't hurt women. It's simple. <laughs> and also the, the, the whole elements of, of respect, you know, yes. respect in your elders, respect in uh, teachers, respect in your fellow classmates, respect for family, respect for other authority figures. But then we've lived through this crazy time where those authority figures have broken a social contract with us. So how do you then navigate that? And then if you, as you said, if you're someone living within Māoridom, those contracts have been broken again and, and again, again. Yes. and again. I mean, how, how are youth meant to respect the police when they've only just seen them doing raids on their whānau? You know, and the police come in in the dead of night and pull half of them out, and or they're there early in the morning, or you know, there was a story about um, I think it was Fakatani, and you know, the police would go there every fortnight, every Thursday, because that's the day they could do their quota of tickets for unregistered, unwarranted cars. Do you not think these people would have legal cars if they could? It's mm. not a choice to be. Mm driving around in a bloody jalopy that exhaust leaks and windows don't shut and it's not legal, that's not a choice. New Zealand's got a very punitive thread in running through its um, society. Like at the moment, I'm 
I'm a bit ho-ha with the corrections. I've been ho-ha with them for years, but Rumataka hasn't had in-person visits for a year. It's all audio-visual. And I believe Arahata, it's closer to 15 months. So what, all are they I still trying it, to cite the COVID? No, no, just until further notice. And so I see that as the state tearing Fano apart. Because not everyone in jail is a murderer or a rapist. You know, there's a few pot smokers in there and fraudsters and what have you. You know, that's just tearing whanos apart. Whether mum or dad's in there for three months, six months, a year, six three months is a long time in a little guy's life. Mm. And then you're on screen like this for a visit. It's hard enough to talk to kids on the phone, let alone on a screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, like when I ring my moko to say goodnight and that, and it's irrelevant, you know, of <laughs> you just try and be jolly <laughs> and have a conversation about anything or what have you. And and so convictions is actively undermining the whānau unit mm. by no in-person visit. We've only just stopped chaining women up giving birth. That's mental to me. <laughs> I just find that really abhorrent. Yeah, well, I see they're on a massive recruitment drive at the moment because they've got drastic shortages and corrections. I mean, there was a good chunk of them that mandated out, much yes. higher than in other areas, because obviously they're awake to things and they've not yeah. gone back. So why don't you just get all the ones that were mandated out? I mean, all the prisoners are mandated to have the jab when you're in there. Goodness me. Like our hospitals. And then we're sending ambulances to Ukraine. You know, people are, <laughs> you know, just waiting hours for an ambulance and we're sending them offshore. I think that's bizarre. You know, you're reading all the time, oh, I waited 24 hours at A&E. Oh, I was waited an hour and a half for the ambulance. Before this even began, I waited 40 minutes when my sister had a heart attack in my lounge for an ambo. Whoa, and we're sending them offshore. I, 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 this is going to sound like I'm crazy and that's okay. But it's like, we've really sold out. And then this big Blackrock deal to make us the cleanest. We are the cleanest. Anyway, our farmers and fishermen, they do farming and fishing sustainably. Because they still want their jobs. They're not going to wreck it so they take their jobs off themselves. You know, it's mental. <laughs> you know, just, and because my son was a fisherman, so I know a little bit about the industry. And I, yeah, yeah, no, those fishermen take care all right. It's not um, a big free fall out there. You know, it's not like bloody Captain Bly. But, you know, and it is sustainable and it is quoted. And they, they want to still be fishing in 10 years. Farmers still want to be farming in 10 years. And then when people go on to me about climate change, I just show them um, marine traffic app. Go and look at that. That's your climate scam right there. The ocean's full of big ships. Hey, have you ever looked at marine traffic? No, no, I've looked at the air traffic one, though, plenty of times. Oh, there's that nothing on the marine one, trust me. <laughs> Actually, no, tell a lie, tell a lie. Oh, I have yeah. looked at it yeah. because of my other life, we do sometimes, we import some stuff and we often get it in container. Yes. And, you know, no ship tracker. <laughs> we track, yes. You know, yes. be like, where is that ship? Where's that ship yep. in our container? Um, yeah, no, you're, you're not wrong. Well, oh my gosh, we better not open the environmental box dial. We'll never yeah. get out the line. <laughs> yeah, let's put uh, that lid back on. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, put that, let's shelve that lid for next time, shall we? <laughs> oh, look, there is, it is always a joy to talk to you. So what's sort of next, what's next for Di in the next few months or so? Are you Have you got anything in the pipeline or planned um, other than heading up to, to Auckland, if you can manage it? 
if I can manage it, I'll do Auckland. Uh, Monday, my sisters and I were going outside the Labour office in Kapiti with um, a whole lot of billboards we've just made about children and children can't consent and no child's born in the wrong body, humans can't change sex and puberty's not an illness. So we'll just march around the Labour office till we're told to move on. Just submissions, we will be, if this bill gets open for some Kitty Kitty's human rights bill, to push in the LGBTQIWTAFs. If that does get to submissions, Manawahini Korea will most definitely be submitting. And we say no, this will open the door to hate speech and, and to more madness with the birth certificates. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, they, I mean, look, these, that discussion document, you know, the digital harms, but I mean, they, look, they got pushed back, but they're desperate to try and get something across the line, aren't they? And, and they'll just keep and, lobbing yep. grenades. Yes, and this will be a nice big back foot. The only positive is that it separates sex and gender. But we don't need a law for that. We know, you know, like I don't think we need to make that a law. I'm not too sure about the flimsy mannerisms and characteristics. Like I, I don't know how you can legislate that and how you can legislate that it all used to happen after saying that there's no evidence. You know, that this never happened. So, you know, I just want all this race baiting to stop. It's really, really horrid. It's even worse if, if this is can be so. It's even worse than when I grew up when my mother was repeatedly attacked verbally and physically for being mouldy. Mm. At least that was very overt. You know, all this stuff is undercover, all covert, all, you know, and a few elites are up there, you know, creaming the pie for themselves. Well, we just keep having these courageous conversations, Di, and we'll do everything that we can one little bit at a time. I'm talking to Di Landy from Manawahini Korero, and as always, great to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining me again this morning. Thank you for having me. Don't disappear. Still more great content here to come with Reality Check Radio and Counterculture, including Media Matters with Marty and the Woke News of the Week. You're listening to Counterculture on RCR. Reality Check Radio.